You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. How many of you have heard of Jordan Davis? So I, I really didn't know much about Jordan Davis. I did, I did come across uh, this song when I was doing research, I guess in, you know, in the summertime, just researching these different songs, came across his song, really, really like it. Uh, Jordan Davis is, a, I believe, a Christian, uh, based on just what I've read, uh, things that he has said about himself. He grew up in the church. His mom played piano uh, in a Southern Baptist church. Uh, in one interview, he said that he grew up attending church at least three times a week, twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday nights. His EP that was released, or an album that was released uh, in 2020, includes a song titled Church in a Chevy, which sounds very country to me. And uh, listen to the song, and uh, very interesting. He said of his faith, he said, God wants a relationship with all of us, but sometimes we don't want to hear it. For me, the way that I get to listen to, that I get to listen is getting myself and getting quiet, or getting by myself and getting quiet and really working on hearing what he's got to say. That's how I feel like I'm most in tune, or that's when I feel like I'm most in tune with the good Lord, is what he said in one interview. Um, he said of the release of this, his current album, the one that By Dirt is on, he said that without the reshifting of priorities that he experienced over the course of the last couple of years due to the pandemic shutdowns, as well as becoming a new father, uh, writing these songs wouldn't, probably would not have happened. And uh, he uh, further explained about his song, By Dirt. He said, I'm in a different spot in my life than I was when I released Home State, another album. We all are. 2020 was a tough time for, some, for, for everyone. I was able to use that time to recenter some things in my world, and I didn't want those lessons to go to waste. I wanted, I wanted to create something special, the best way uh, to do that was to write uh, was to write honestly, and we did a lot of that on this record. Um, so, By Dirt was a, a peak number four on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart. It's currently number 34 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, and it's climbing. Uh, it was released this past summer. Uh, on, uh, you, the, the, the music video on YouTube has got just, just under 4 million views already you know, on it. Uh, here are some of the lyrics. You got the lyrics when you walked in, but I'll, I'll read some of them. <clears throat> the, the song is really essentially the advice from an 80-year-old to, I guess, Jordan Davis. I don't know who the 80-year-old is. I don't know if it's just a figurative person that represents multiple people in his life or if it was maybe his grandfather or somebody that he really respects. But he said... Uh, this is the advice. Find the one that you can't live without. Get a ring. Let your knee hit the ground. Do what you love, but call it work. And throw a little money in the, pl in the plate at church. Send your prayers up and your roots down deep. Add a few limbs to your family tree. And watch your pencil marks and the grass in the yard all grow up. Because the truth about it is it all goes by real quick. You can't buy happiness, but you can buy dirt. Before you get caught up on that ladder... Let me tell you what it's all about. Find you a few things that matter that you can put a fence around. And so 
Uh, I'm going to show the music video. Um, it's one of the, like I said, it's one of my favorite songs in the series. And so, if you haven't experienced this, I hope that you like it. Chasing a dollar And in between sips of coffee He poured this wisdom out Said if you want my two cents On making a dollar count Buy dirt Find the one you can't live without Get a ring, let your knee hit the ground Do what you love but call it work Throw a little money in the plate at church Send your prayers up and your roots down deep Add a few limbs to your family tree Watch their pencil marks in the grass in the yard all grow up Cause the truth about it is it all goes by real quick You can't buy happiness, but you can buy dirt Before you get caught on that ladder, let me tell you what it's all about Find you a few things that matter That you can put a fence around And then he laid it out Buy dirt Find the one you can't live without Get a ring, let your knee hit the ground Do what you love, but call it work And throw a little money in the plate at church Send your prayers up and your roots down deep And add a few limbs to your family tree And watch their pencil marks in the grass In the yard all grow up Cause the truth about it is It all goes by real quick You can't buy happiness But you can buy dirt You can buy dirt Thank the good Lord for it Cause he ain't making any more of it So buy dirt Find the one you can't live without Get a ring, let your knee hit the ground Do what you love, but call it work And throw a little money in the plate at church And send your prayers up and your roots down deep Add a few limbs to your family tree Watch their pencil marks in the grass In the yard all grow up Cause the truth about it is It all goes by real quick You can't buy happiness but you can buy dirt. See, isn't that like more Wyoming y com compared to all the other songs we've done? Uh, <clears throat> so, 
I listen to that song, I listen to it like all the other songs a gazillion times, um, and I thought, yeah, but there's more, <laughs> right? When I'm uh, listening to that song, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, you buy dirt, and you, I think it's important to, to you know, invest your time and your energy into things uh, and people that, that matter, but there's, but there's more. There's, like, more to the solution that the song, you know, offers. Um, what, is, what, what really matters in life? What is life really about? And uh, if I were to have a conversation with Jordan Davis, I, I would have, if we were having coffee together or something, I would say, but <laughs> don't you think there's much more to it than that? Because you can buy dirt, you can build, uh, you, can, you can have a family, you can add a few limbs to your family tree, you can do all those things and still be very miserable. Um, there's so much more to life. And some... Psalm 112, I, I think, fills in the blanks that by dirt leaves empty uh, when I read it. And so, just so you know, Psalm 111 and 112 kind of go together. Um, but I'm just going to walk us through Psalm 112. If you have a Bible, um, that'll be great. If you're using a digital device, that's great too. You want to follow along. Um, for those of you who don't know this, by the way, uh, the reason why you have a Bible in a language that you can read and understand is because of what happened in 1517. Um, that's the significance of, of Reformation Sunday. And so, just, just so you know, a lot, a lot of people spilled their blood so that a Bible could be in a language that we could read. Um, so as I read through Psalm 112, it begins with... Uh, like a beatitude, just similar to what Jesus uh, delivered in his Sermon on the Mount. Um, Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's a blessing and a promise, right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessing, promise. Uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessing, promise. And, and Jesus said much more than that. And in Psalm 112 begins with praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. So the, this idea of fearing God uh, that's associated with a blessing is not, not a phobia. We've got fear all jacked up you know, in, in our brains because of our culture. This, this idea of phobia has been so watered down over, you know, as a result of our culture. But, but he's not talking about a phobia here. He's not talking about the kind of fear that Martin Luther experienced when he was, um, I don't know if he was coming back from, from the university. He was studying to be a, a lawyer. His parents wanted him to be a lawyer. And uh, he grew up in the context that he grew up in. Um, there was no Bible for anybody to be able to read. It was in Latin. It was chained to the pulpit in the church. And only the highly educated were able to read it. Martin Luther had a very warped view of the fear of the Lord. He was petrified of God. And uh, lightning struck close to him, and he said, I, if you let me live, I'll become a monk. And that's exactly what he did. He became a monk. Um, that's not the fear that's being talked about here in, in, in Psalm 112. It is a reverence of the God of all creation. It is a it is, a, it is a reverence of the God of all creation that puts everything else in your life in check. 
It's similar to the kind of devotion that Jesus referred to when he said, um, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's that kind of reverence. It's not, a, it's not like what Jesus, Jesus wasn't re- saying that you need to hate your mom and you need to hate your dad and you need to hate your siblings and, and the, you, the only person you love is me. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying... Everything else is secondary to your commitment to me. And it's the same thing that's being said in Psalm 112. Um, The last verse in Psalm 111 sets up Psalm 112, which says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And then the psalm breaks into you know, this, this, this blessing. That there's a blessing and a promise for those who fear the Lord and delight in his commandments. What are his commandments? It is his word. It's his word. Um, it's the kind of fear of God and, and, and delighting in, in his word that Isaiah chapter 66 uh, mentions. Isaiah 66, verses 1 through 2. Let's, let's read this together. You ready? Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Trembles at my word. Like when you read the the Bible, when we read, in this case, Psalm 112, that you realize that when you hear these words being read, what you are hearing is the voice of God on the pages of Scripture. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears, who reveres, who greatly reveres Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, and who greatly delights in his commandments. That for that person, there is a blessing. For that person, there is a promise. Uh, one of the wisest fools in the Bible is a guy by the name of, anybody want to take a stab at it? Solomon. Yes, Solomon. Solomon started out great. He was David's son. Now, we don't know who wrote Psalm 112, but my guess is that Solomon was probably familiar with Psalm 112. Um, but he was, he, he started out amazing. He he actually even prayed when he inherited his father's kingdom. He prayed, Lord, please give me wisdom so that I can lead your people well. And God blessed him and honored him with that. But the one thing that, that Solomon forgot, the one thing that happened with Solomon is that he did what the word of God told him not to do as a way of trying to keep peace with Israel and with the surrounding nations. He married foreign women as a as a kind of a peace treaty because that's what the kings did in those days they would and they did it for hundreds and hundreds of years following that and what we learn about solomon is that the women that he married began to woo him away from his god to their gods and um he wrote a a, a little book in the old testament called ecclesiastes which was his lament, his, his, um, 
it, basically him just regretting wasting his, a good chunk of his life. That's Ecclesiastes. He's like, I've done everything. I've done everything under the sun. I, I've, I've, you know, <laughs> I was the Hugh Hefner of my day. <laughs> he was. And he closed out Ecclesiastes with these words. The words will be on the screen. He says, the end of the matter, all has been heard, and that is this, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Solomon on his deathbed said, that's the thing that that mattered in life, and I missed most of it, to fear God and to keep his commandments to fear God, to revere him, to listen to him, and to delight in his word. And so the rest of the psalm, with the exception of the very last verse of the psalm, are really the, this is what those blessings look like. This is, this is what it looks like to fear Yahweh and to delight in his commandments. And we see it in, the first, in, in, in verses 2 through 4, and that is the reward of the righteous. Like he says, His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. Now, what is he saying here? Well, the word might here does not mean strong or healthy. It means that his children will will be known in the land as having upright character, is really the point that's being made. Um, like all of Psalm 111 is, is about the character of God. If you read it sometime, I encourage you when you go home, read it. Um, it's all about the character of God. You know, like for, I'll just read a few verses from Psalm 111. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Uh, verse 5, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Uh, verse 7, the works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. Uh, verse 9, he sent redemption to his people. He has uh, commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. It's all about the character of God. And in Psalm 112, is what does, what does the life look like for the individual who loves this God who, who, who is holy and just and right and does not need to improve upon himself, and not only loves him, but delights in everything that he has said. What does he look like? Well, um, the first place that it is seen how God has affected his life is where? His home. It's his home. Like if you, if you, if you want to um, get a, an understanding of of your character, if you're ever like wondering, well, you know, it, it's what I believe really like, is it, is it seen? Just ask your spouse or ask your children and, and give them permission first. You could be very honest with me. I'm not going to get angry. Um, it's seen in the home. That's where we're most comfortable. You know, people who are, who are dating, I'm like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing premarital counseling right now for a couple who, you know they're in their 20s and they're and they're in love and um, and you, how many of you are married, right? You, you know what happens, right? During those months, sometimes for people, for some people, years leading up to marriage is is you do everything you can to just woo them closer to yourself, right? Like, and then 
Then you get married, and what happens? You get comfortable, right? You get comfortable, and you just like you just let you just let the guard down, and, and, and that's a good thing. In fact, when you read Genesis chapter one, what we learn of Adam and Eve is that they were naked and what unashamed, right? But um, sometimes we get so comfortable that we take the other person for granted, and uh, and, and and so I think. Like when it, when it comes to our home, we're so comfortable that um, our true colors can really shine. You know, here in church, you, you came to church, most of you were smiling when you came in or you kind of looked somewhat spiritual, right? Um, but at home, at home, you're free to be who you are. And um, the point that's being made in these verses is that the person who really, and I, I mean, it's referring to, it's, it uses the masculine form of, of um, this individual man, but it's speaking to men and women. Um, if the man or woman who, uh, in, the, in the home, truly fears God and delights in his word, do you know what's going to happen? It's going to be seen by the way you live your life. And the first people that are going to experience that are your family. That doesn't mean you got everything down. It doesn't mean that um, you're, <laughs> you're perfect. I mean, ask my family. They know I'm not perfect, right? But what it does mean is that, um, is that as a result of you fearing the Lord and, and, and delighting in his word, it will humble you and it will spur you on to, be, to want to be more like the character that God wants you to, to emulate, Right? And, and so not in every case is his children of uh, the righteous person, is the children of the righteous person going to turn out great. But in most cases, they will, they will see the character of God exhibited in your life, and they will want that. And some, uh, in other cases, there are children who are just put off by that. Because at the end of the day, you cannot manipulate your child's heart to follow God. At the end of the day, they're going to decide to follow God and to love God um, apart from you. Like their faith will become their faith apart from your faith in many respects. But the psalmist is saying, but if this is your life, it's going to rub off on your children. And the way your children behave in public, it, it, it's going it's to reflect that. Maybe not all the time, but it will eventually reflect that. I think that's the point that's being made here. And he goes on, you know, wealth and riches are in his house and in his righteousness and his righteousness endures forever. Oh, is it saying that, oh, you know, if, you're, if you fear God and you delight in his word, that your bank account is going to get full? No, that's not the point that's being made here. I think the point that's being made is, is the one that, um, that Jesus made to his disciples when he said this, and the words will be on the screen. He said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying God sees. And for the one who belongs to him, like you, you, are, you are an heir of all that belongs to him. Does that make sense? Like for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, you are an heir of all that belongs to God. 
You have all the benefits and rights and privileges of a son or a daughter of the living God. The Bible uses son. You know why the Bible uses son when it talks about you, you know, you're adopted as sons? Um, because it was the son that received uh, the inheritance, the firstborn son. And so regardless of your gender, you, are a, you receive the, the, the rights and privileges of, the, of a firstborn child. And the Bible says angels marvel at that. Like they stand on tiptoe to try to figure that one out. So his children will be recognized, uh, in most cases, not all cases, for their, for their faith. Why? Because if they truly see the faith that is shaping you and changing you, what they're going to experience is, I'm, going to speak, I'm speaking to the, the, uh, the dads right now, what they will experience is a man of humility, a man of character, a man who loves his children, a man who, is, who, who strives for righteousness, a man who is fair, and a man who's not afraid to say I'm sorry when he's been wrong. I, I wish I had that in my family when I was growing up. I didn't. Trying to, trying to be that for my children. And then um, the third thing that we see uh, you know, with this is that light illuminates the darkness, right? It says, light dawns in the darkness for the upright. Well, if, you are del- if you are fearing the Lord and you're delighting in his word, guys, this is so, so important for you to hear this, you will light up the darkness in your world as you live out the faith that God, um, that God has given to you. You will light up the darkness. I say this with, premier- with couples that are thinking about getting married. I say this to the guys. Guys, the spiritual climate of your home will be shaped by the spiritual climate of your heart. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen with women, with women moms, wives. It, it does. But I guarantee you that if the spiritual climate of your husband or guys of your own heart um, is as such that you are fearing the Lord and delighting in his word, it will, it will affect the climate of your home. I'm not talking about being a jerk for Jesus. I'm talking about being affected by, by the God of, of all creation that results in you beginning to show some of the character traits that are true of our Heavenly Father. Right? Like, like when, we talk, when we talk about, when we do the whole premarital counseling thing, um, one of the weeks we focus on Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you know what that is? Servant leadership. Like, that is, I am going to die for that person. Those things that are a priority in my life, I'm dying to so that she can live, so that she can thrive. Um, you know, that means you become a servant. What did Jesus do to his disciples before he went to the cross in the upper room? He washed their feet. I think sometimes in, like, when, when you're engaged, you think, I'll wash their feet, you know, I'll really impress them. Um, and then you get married, and you're like, I'm not washing anybody's feet. Or it might sound like this, um, yeah, well, I want to have children, but I'm not changing her, the diapers. Or, yeah, I, I, I want to provide a home for you, but I'll never wash the dishes. Or, yeah, I can go on and on and on. Man, we need to die to ourselves. Anyway, that's not even in my notes. Okay, so... The second thing that we, we, we see this, the second blessing, the second uh, promise is that 
is the behavior of the righteous in verses 4 through 5, the second part of verse 4. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, um, who conducts his affairs with justice. Well, what is he talking about there? That you, you know, that you're just going to give everything that you own away? No. Here's what, here's what I think this, what it's saying here. If you fear the Lord and you delight in his word, do you know what's going to happen to your soul? Do you know what's going to happen to your spirit? You're going to become more generous. Jesus even said that that will happen. Um, he who has been given, who's been forgiven much, much will be expected of. And he told parables. He's like, you know, if you've been forgiven much, you should be known as one of the most forgiving people on planet Earth, right? And if you've truly experienced the God of all creation, and, you, and, 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 it, and as a result of that, you fear him, you revere him above all other things, and you are delighting in his word because you got your nose in the book, you will find with yourself that you'll become more generous with your time, with your, with, with your energy, and with your resources, that's why I said, you know, those who, Christians should be known as some of the most generous people on planet Earth because of, because of the level of forgiveness that we've experienced by the God of all creation. Jesus went to a cross and became all of our sin in our place. We brought nothing to the table of God's righteousness. Jesus provided it all on our behalf. We should be the most, some of the most generous people. And that's, as the, the, the righteous person is known for his or her generosity. And then verses 6 through 8, the foundation of the righteous. Uh, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. He goes on in verse 8. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Well, what's that talking about? Again, it's so practical. If you are fearing God, that reverent type of fear, and you are delighting in his word, you know what's going to happen? You will begin to know God more intimately. Right? Like if you're a Christian, um, like, so, so how many of you have been a Christian for, say, 10 years or more? Raise your hand. Okay, Ready? You should look more like Jesus than you did 10 years ago. You should look more like Jesus than you did five years ago. And if you don't, it's, you know, are, you, are you this person in Psalm 112, one who fears the Lord and delights in his word? Like we should know more about the Bible than you know about football. I know that hurts but it's true. Or cars. Or for me, comic books. Like, that's my thing. Um, you know, Marvel superheroes. <laughs> if I truly delight in the Word, I'm going to have my nose in the book. And it's going to affect me. And so what is, my, what is the foundation? Um, it's this. Uh, because, I know, understand, because I understand the, uh, the God of the Bible, I, I know that He is all-knowing. I know that he is all-present. He he's everywhere at the same time. I know that he's all-powerful. That there's no circumstance in my life that is bigger than, his, than, than he is. I know those things. And when I know those things, I am not so easily moved. Like, I, I, when I know those things, the anxiety level is not as high as those who don't know those things. Right? 
And so, um, yeah, I, I think of Romans chapter 11, which says this. Let's, let's read this together. Ready? For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Like, that's who God is. Um, he does not change. This God is righteous in every way, and he is holy, and the person who delights in his word will find him or herself looking more and more like the character of God. Will you ever achieve perfection? Nope. <laughs> um, there is no, there's a word for this change that's happening in your life. It's called sanctification. There are some churches who believe that you can achieve total sanctification. We have one in Cheyenne. And um, the last time I checked, 1 John chapter 1 says, and chapter 2 says, if anyone claims to be without sin, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But the truth is this, is that as you follow Jesus, as you have your nose in this book, as you are pursuing God, you will find your, the things that you once battled with, those areas of sin in your life that you once battled with, easier to address. And then there are some sins in your life where it does feel like two steps back, one step forward, two steps forward, one step back, a little to the left, a little to the right. It feels like a waltz or a two-step or whatever it is that I've never done country line dancing. I don't know why I'm looking at Jim Murphy, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> He just said he can't dance. Neither can I, brother. I'm with you. Um, but, but the person who has their nose in the, in the book and, and is striving to know this, this God, they will not be easily moved. That's what the psalm says. They will not be easily moved. Um, because he understands that God is all-loving, all-righteous, completely and perfectly good, he, and that he's able to trust God with his life without fear. Without fear. Does that mean that you, you, you don't get a little nervous about what's happening around you? I, I do a little bit. I don't know about you. Like, things seem very upside down right now. But um, I know that God is bigger than that. Which leads me to the, the, the next thing that we learn about the righteous person, and that is the possessions of the righteous. Um, I already said that the, that the psalmist says that if you got your nose, if you're delighting in the Word of God and you fear God, you will be you, you will find yourself becoming more generous with your time, resources, and, and so on. But, um, but the person who genuinely understands who God is, understands that it was God that pursued him or pursued her, that person's response is like the, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 73. Let's read this together, ready? Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Right? That's the kind of person I want to be. And I can tell you, like if this is, you, if, if this is your heart, that doesn't mean you're there yet, but this is your heart, and your children see this, and men, your wife sees this, and wives, um, hopefully your husbands will see this. But guys, if, if this is the, the desire of your heart, if this is where you want to be, if this is what you're striving for, honestly, it will, it will affect everything in your, in, in your life. And your possessions aren't really your house, your car, your bank account, your job. It's the Lord. 
Like even if they, all of that goes away, even if like, you know, we hit another recession or maybe even a depression, which is pretty, pretty easy to believe nowadays, um, that, that you can look at the God of all creation and, and honestly say, you know what, I haven't really lost anything because I still have you. I still have you. You know, and I was thinking about this psalm, the righteous person, I was, because, because it is Reformation uh, Sunday, and so much has happened as a result of God moving in the hearts of men like Martin Luther. Uh, my heart was, I was just thinking, okay, so, so I know the question that's going to be asked or should be asked is, well, well how, do I, how do I start on this path of being the righteous person? And the answer to that is, you can't. You can't. Like the Roman Catholic Church was telling God, you know, the generation of Martin Luther, like, you can do A, B, and C. Like, you can, you, you can be righteous enough to earn a spot in heaven. Um, you, and if you just miss the mark, you can land in purgatory, and, you're, and, you're, and your family can kind of pray you out of it and do some stuff to get you out of it. And as Martin Luther was thinking about that, um, he was told by a mentor of his, another monk, he said, because Martin Luther would spend hours and hours and hours in the confessional booth, and the, his mentor said, Martin, you're not, you know, God is not angry with you, you're angry with God. And what you need to do is you, because at this point in time, Martin Luther could read Latin, he said, you need to read Romans and Galatians, and maybe even the Psalms. And so he did that. And so Luther read uh, Romans, and his eyes fell on to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, which states this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, listen, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And you know what Martin Luther, you know what he began to see as he was reading through Romans? He began to see, wait a second, there is no level of righteousness that I can bring to God's table. That's what the Bible's teaching. Like I, I'd never seen this before. And what Luther began to, 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 to learn as he, as he read his Bible was that, no, there is nothing that you can do to become the righteous person in of your own effort and of your strength. You need a righteousness that is not your own. You need what the Reformers call an alien righteousness, you need someone else's righteousness. And that someone else's righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus Christ who did, did it all on your account. That's why you hear me say almost every Sunday, he lived the life that you could never live. Jesus did that. And he died the death that we all deserve because it's what we deserve, the wrath of God. And on the third day he rose from the grave. And the gift, the gift of our salvation is a righteousness that we never owned. And, the, and the, the power and the ability to live like the righteous person of Psalm 112 was given to us through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that during Advent. But um, the Holy Spirit empowers God's people and strengthens them to live out the faith that um, was previously impossible for them to live out apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. When Luther discovered this in his study, he said this. He said, and the words of his quote will be on the screen. He said, when I discovered that, I was born again of the Holy Ghost, and the doors of paradise swung open, and I walked through. And I walked through. 
Um, there's a, you know, as he read through Romans, his eyes no doubt fell upon Romans chapter 3, which the words will be on the screen. So I bring this to a close. Listen to these words as you follow along. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, like the Ten Commandments, you know, the Old Testament prophets, they bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as, I love this word that the ESV uses, a propitiation, a payment by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because it was in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The Lord Martin Luther, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He, he, he uh, started preaching the gospel in church, lectured the gospel, or to, you know, taught the gospel while he was a, a, a professor, and, um, and then had to go in hiding because of what he was saying. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. And that our justification before a holy God is nothing that we do, it's everything that Christ has done. The church wanted to murder him for that. And um, only when you truly see your sin for what it really is and your absolute inability to do anything other than run to Jesus for the salvation of your soul will you be able to truly fear God and delight in his word. It is realizing what was accomplished on the cross for your sins, trusting in that, believing in that, having that head knowledge penetrate your hard heart that only then will you be able to experience the type of life that Psalm 112 talks about. It's like, you, you read this, and like, for the person who, does, who doesn't know Jesus, they should ask themselves, can I really, can I do this? And the answer is, like I said, no. But Christ has accomplished it for you. And as a result, as a result of your faith and trust in Jesus, this is, this is what your life, you know, Psalm 112 should be begin to start looking like. Like Luther said, it, that, it's, that it's faith alone in Christ that saves. But saving faith is not alone. There is fruit that comes as a result of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And that fruit is, brothers and sisters, a changed life. A life that is changing. Christ frees you to fear God as you ought so that you can delight in him as you must. <laughs> I was thinking about that. And, um, and to some, so i just close with, with verse 10. The wicked man sees it and is angry. <laughs> he sees the life of this individual from verses 1 through verses 9. And, the, and, and what is his response? He's angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Well, why does he do that? Because for the, for the righteous person, the one who, 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 who fears God and delights in his word, for many in the world, that person is a reminder of death. 
That person is a reminder of their wickedness. That person is a reminder of a, judge, of a judgment that is coming. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that for the Christian, you are the aroma of life for those who are being redeemed, to those that God, God is you know, you know, willing to himself. And others, you are the aroma of death. And, um, and the meaning of life, the meaning of life is found in Jesus. And the life that, make, that, that makes an, you know, an impression on those around you, in, the, in your community, in, in your family, is the life of the righteous person. The one who fears the Lord and who greatly delights in his, in his word, in his commandments. Amen? And if that's, if, if that's not where you're at, and if you're trying to figure out you know, what it means to follow Jesus, my, my appeal to you is that the Bible says that, you're, that salvation, that the gift of salvation is free, that all who confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the, from the dead will be saved. That that's it. That the, that the gift uh, of salvation is a, is a free gift for you, for you to receive, period, for those of you watching the live stream. It's a free gift to be received by faith. And um, I guarantee you, I promise you, if you receive that gift, it will change your life. Because God loves you too much to leave you as you are. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this thing, this work that you're doing in, in our lives. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here and those watching the live stream. God, uh, we, we want to be the kind of person that's described in Psalm 112. We want to be that righteous person, the one known for, for fearing you and de greatly delighting in your word. God, I ask you, this season at Meadowbrook, as we enter into this next you know, season, that, um, that you will mold us and shape us more and more into that person. As we get to know you, the people will be able to see your character shining through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.